1: And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, here's your host, Patricia
2: Raskin. I'll have to fix it. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show. And we are right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. And my second interview today, we are talking to a wonderful fiction writer, and her name is Debbie Eisenberg, and her book is called Protecting Page. It is a multi-layered historical novel driven by twists and turns and revelations. And Debbie Eisenberg is a local Chicago author known for her moving book club favorite fiction debut, Pictures of the Past. And it presents a riveting story revolving around Paige, a girl orphaned by a random act of gang violence uh, with two unlikely saviors, and then discovering secret tragedies and startling truths at the core of her identity. Opening in Chicago in 1962, Protecting Paige is the novel we're talking about, and it unfolds during a time of national turmoil and transformation. And it coincides with her journey to uncover her family's hidden past in Paris and in Buchenwald. It captures a young woman's coming of age and a man's search for lost love. So, welcome, Debbie. Hi, Patricia. <laughs> yeah. Thank
3: you for Good. that very nice introduction. Yeah, A little bit now, of a summary it, of the novel. Yes. Now, explain.
2: Um, you wrote one book called Pictures of the Past. And now yes. this is the second book in the series. Yes.
3: No, it is no. not a series. They are um, the books aren't really related, other than they are both historical fiction, family sagas. They both have a Jewish element, but not only a Jewish element. And mm-hmm. um, and the fact that they have this P alliteration is just totally coincidental. I didn't even mean it that way. Pictures of the, of the past and protecting yeah. page. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Right?
2: Yeah. Now, now most people know about the tragic fate of the Titanic but few even yes. in Chicago know about the 1950 Eastland disaster on the Chicago River. What happened there and why did you include it in your book?
3: Okay, well what I have found when I've written my novels is that headline or historical events that have captured me over the years, kind of stayed in the vault of my memory until they became part of a book that I wound up, that I wrote. And the Eastland disaster, I found out, it is a major disaster um, in which a the um, there was a uh, business outing from the big Western Electric Company in Cicero, Illinois which is outside of Chicago, one of the largest plants in America at the time employed 7,000 people. They were a wonderful company to work for, and this is the year 1915, a wonderful company to work for. And um, on every summer they would host a family picnic. You could have your whole family come. You board one of the touring vessels. There were like five touring vessels that year out of the Chicago River going across Lake Michigan to Michigan City, Indiana, and for like a day's outing, okay? And this was the fifth year in a row they were doing it. Most people um, who had signed up wanted to be on the Eastland, which was the um, Greyhound of the Great Lakes, the nicest ship of the time. And so a Mm -hmm. lot of people were trying to board it, and they boarded it. And as it was boarding, um, it was... They noticed that it was listing from side to side. And this ship, which was loaded with 2,500 passengers, actually overturned in the Chicago River and 844 people died when the ship they boarded for the day's outing overturned just 20 feet from the pier. 20 feet from the pier. And all these people died. Um, I became familiar with the story. You would think that everyone in Chicago has known this story growing up. Well, I'm from the Chicago suburbs, but, but the same thing, you know, greater metropolitan Chicago. I never heard of it. Most of my friends, most people never heard of it. I heard of it about 15 years ago when I was at the Chicago Historical Society, and it really, I went like, this can't have happened. Why haven't we heard about this? Mm. So then I, um, when I went to write a novel and I'm writing my novel all of a sudden I realize my characters are going to my story is going to weave through that event because I was so moved by that event and mm. like you said very smartly that the most people know the Titanic disaster you wouldn't even believe that the Titanic disaster actually had was a little bit of a reason for this disaster. That had been a couple years before this disaster, and because of a groundswell for people to um, to have them put more life rafts on boats, this boat was retrofitted with life rafts. Well, you can't really retrofit an already unstable ship with just adding life rafts. You know, they didn't know the things we know today, and it is partially blamed because of um, the unbalance of the ship. Why
2: mm-hmm. it went over so.
3: There's wow. your story. Wow. Now let's Part talk the about story. the characters.
2: Mm-hmm. In, the char- in the novel, the characters each deal with a loss of innocence as a result of physical trauma and emotional trauma, you know, a displacement caused by war and the Holocaust and gang violence. How Correct. difficult, Debbie, is it for people to recreate their lives after such trauma?
3: Well this is a struggle that people would have because you have an emotional loss and in my novel because when Paige's family became the victims of a random act of violence, when she awakens in a hospital room, she doesn't actually initially even remember the you know, the crime. And she is you know, she's wondering what will happen to her because she is scared. She can't even believe that she has no parents. She's twelve years old. She's innocent, and and the fact is that she is alone. She is orphaned, and she only has one remaining family member, who is a famous photojournalist. Um, and he, she's waiting for him to come. She, she's waiting for him to come for her. Not even knowing, like, okay, if they locate Uncle Maxwell, I know he likes me. But he doesn't, like, have a family. He's a confirmed bachelor living life on the world stage, and she was a privileged but sheltered 12-year-old girl. So how is this going to work out? So it, it impacts you. You can have tragedy, but usually you have a support group. And this little girl had no support group except her bachelor uncle, you know, who she does know but who travels the world. Um, the, that is what happens, you ask, when the, the impact of, of a tragedy, you need mm-hmm. people to cling to, to understand, you know, to understand you and to help um, you go forward.
2: Yeah, so this absolutely. little
3: girl, to go forward, she realizes she was never allowed to know about her past.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, one of the novel's main characters Disavows Judaism as a coping mechanism, coping, you know, from the Holocaust. Right. How common a reaction was this for people who survived the horrors of World War II?
3: Well, this was actually a very common um, coping mechanism. I have friends. My. People will ask me, were your, you know, were your parents, grandparents, Holocaust survivors? Actually, they were not. All of my, I am Jewish, and um, all of my grandparents came over from Russia earlier at the turn of the century. They didn't come over because life was good. By the way, there were other, you know, pogroms and everything that that you know oh. helped them to made them them leave. But um, my husband and I, from. Early times, we've always had such a connection to our Jewish education through the Jewish Federation, through going on trips to Israel, through going to Europe and seeing, you know, all of the sites there. And so it has always, you know, stayed in my mind. Um, So uh, the friends that I have, and I have a lot of friends now whose parents were Holocaust survivors, for the most part, they became insular. They wanted to stay with their own people. They did not talk about it. This was very common as probably until they were until what the the 70s almost um, the eighties but when people like Steven Spielberg came forward when we developed right. more, there were movies the Holocaust Museum the survivors came forward people it, it it's such an uh, unfortunately it is such a terrible era but so rich in literature from the era and I don't mean my books um, although although I'm so honored that um, one of them is in the Illinois Holocaust Museum, um, I I do feel I'm, um, I'm giving a story. I'm making the horrors of which partially touches, it's partially a Holocaust book. And I believe that people can understand events, even of global proportion, when you have a story that involves loss and longing and loving it it helps you to understand an event, even if it's a huge event. Um, Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, and I I think, you know, you're
2: you're able to bring to life to readers, you know, these amazing stories with empathy and understanding these situations of what, you know, what people go through and how we can have more compassion.
3: What do you think of that? Thank you. Thank you. Yes, it's just, you can... You can't under, we say six million Jews. You know, it, it's hard to understand that. But you know mm-hmm. when you read the books and you follow the story of one person, and so that you really do understand it. Now, this page, Paige was brought up in the North Shore suburb of Chicago. She knew her family was Jewish. But she knew that for some reason her mother had said there'd be no observance. And Paige was a pretty precocious little girl, and when she heard the word observance, you know, she she was very young. But she she knew that, but she didn't exactly know why. Um, it isn't until her famous uncle becomes her guardian that he allows her to uncover her heritage and basically discover her destiny. She mm. doesn't know that her mother was a Holocaust survivor. She. Mm. She didn't know that her family also was in the tragedy of the Eastland disaster. Mm-hmm. She, she didn't know it until her parents died. She went to um, the cemetery and she saw the monuments where all mm-hmm. these people in her family died in the year 1915, same okay. day, you know. And then her Uncle Maxwell says, Well, one day I'll tell you the story, okay? But he didn't mm-hmm. tell her the, the story about her mother, okay? But it turns out that. Years later, when she's, you know, like a, you know, in high school, young, a young adult at 18, whatever, she discovers in the basement of Weiss House, which is, my story also leads through Lake Geneva, another of my favorite places. That's what my stories do. Mm-hmm. They go where, where I like to research and read mm-hmm. and explore. And in the basement of this estate home that her family had shared with Uncle Maxwell in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, um she discovers her mother's hidden diary, and now the secrets have to, of the past have to be revealed because mm-hmm. Uncle Maxwell struggled to hide his obsession with Paige's mother, his French sister-in-law. Interesting. And um, when she finds the diary, then they, the two of them journey to um, Europe, retracing events of World War II and the Holocaust, mm-hmm. an effort to find the one remaining family member they could claim.
2: Mm-hmm. Amazing could be a book could probably be a movie. Don't you think? I might,
3: that would be really nice. And if you're yeah. wondering what Uncle Maxwell looks like in the book, I describe him as a Cary Grant, um, a, a Cary Grant Clark, Clark Gable combination because that's within the times of the book of, yes. of when he's described. But today, I'm thinking like George Clooney. Okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's interesting because as you're sharing this, I'm thinking, well, you know, what if Paige had learned about this before? And what yes. if these were not secrets? But then it wouldn't be the same book, would it? It would be very different. No,
3: no. <laughs> you have to be able to, you know, make your little plot and let some things um, right. be right. secrets. Sometimes to me, gonna, I, it, I both of my well, novels, I actually wrote them in the order in which you read them. And my novels go back and forth in time because um and i've met so many important authors along this journey of mine but but once you've developed your characters they kind of tell you what's going mm-hmm. to happen next so that's kind
2: yeah, of just, fun which is they have a life of their own mm-hmm. all right we're going to take a break my guest is debbie eisenberg and her novel her new novel is protecting page and it's a multi-lever multi-layered historical novel and it's driven by twists and turns and revelations and lots of history, and love, and intrigue, and get this book, Protecting Page, P-A-I-G-E, and the author is Debbie Eisenberg. We'll be back after the break. We'll learn more about the novel and more about this time in history that it was written. You're listening to The Patricia Raskin Show, and I'm Patricia Raskin, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back.
0: Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
1: You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James
0: Maynard, Inner revolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. What voice guides your sexual needs and desires? Yours or others? The Sexual Voice with host Jessica Ford is the show to lead you to a happier, healthier, and more fruitful sexual self. Let Jessica help you find your own unique voice to express sexual feelings, gain confidence, and to appreciate your own needs and desires. Listen live every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. There is a sexual voice inside of everyone. Come discover yours.
1: Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
2: I'm Patricia Raskin, right here on Voice America, America's Voice. And my guest is Debbie Eisenberg, and her book is Protecting Page. It's a multi-layered historical novel driven by twists and turns and revelations. Um, welcome back, Debbie. Hi, Patricia. All right. Let's talk, about, talk a little bit about, before we go on with the novel again, about your background and your love of history and writing and how this all came okay. about.
3: Sure. Um, I, I actually was um, a, a writer when I, from early on, I would write, win poetry and essay contests and ed- in high school. I was editor of the high school paper. Um, I thought of myself always more as a journalist. In college, though, I was pragmatic. To, I didn't major in writing. I majored to be a, an English teacher because I was dating somebody then that was pre- going to probably go to medical school. And if, we married. I'd probably be the support of us, and so I needed like a real job because this person uh-huh. was my age. And so I became a high school English teacher, um, and I did wind up marrying him, and we are still married. And he and I got uh-huh. him back for that early support, by the way. So, uh-huh. um, so then, um, so for years I was a high school English teacher, and then I became the leader of um, a big book club uh, out of Congregation Beth Shalom, which is one of the biggest. Conservative synagogues in the Midwest. I became the Sisterhood Book Club leader, to kind of to keep me connected to what I was trained to do, and then eventually I challenged myself to write a novel that my readers could put down, and would love to discuss, and so that was that mm-hmm. was kind of my route to um, becoming a writer, um, and and I did the I realized that. The historical fiction, which was a genre that I fell in love with, is some similar to writing research papers, which I taught my students in high school, when I was teaching high school. And by the way, I was four years older than them when I was first teaching them, which is
2: kind of funny uh,
3: now. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> that, that is, uh, the, in general, the story of my becoming a writer, and this is maybe what I was always destined to be, and I just I just love. I just love doing it, and I love the researching, and I want to enjoy the journey of writing it so my readers can enjoy the journey of reading.
2: Yeah, that's wonderful. Let's get back to the novel now. One of the main characters is a celebrated photographer whose photos documented the violence and destruction of wartime Europe, and it also shaped people's opinions of those events. So talk about this photojournalist role. Um, Has that been diminished by our digital age of Instagram and citizen reporters?
3: Well, I think that's a really good question. Um, I I think that people now expect the immediacy of seeing events. And so the immediacy of everybody being able to um, document something is, is a positive thing. But we've also seen how it is... It can also be negative. It first of all, you don't know the source. Okay, when you had the newspapers, you knew the source better. Also, and we've seen this with the policemen. When people are taking out their cameras, policemen are acting differently, and maybe not. Maybe they are not doing their job appropriately. They're being distracted. You know, when <laughs> when this is happening. So it, it's good and bad. The new journalism, but you know what? It's the future. Not, it's not going to change, but we just have to know that we're, we're seeing things from valid sources. And now in these times, you know, the, a photojournalist was, um, was like a movie star, you know, basically, because they, they were documenting things. People used to go to the newsreels once a week, like with the movies, and see what was happening in the war. Um, and I have my Maxwell Noble... His picture, his pictures were covers of uh, Life and Look magazine in my alternative universe that I've created.
2: Let's move on to one more important question because we're going we're to have to close soon. Sure. One of your characters temporarily hides from the Nazis in France by passing as a Christian woman and working with the French resistance to remove Jewish children from France. Based on mm-hmm. your extensive research of Nazi France, How many people were able to hide their religious identity in order to survive?
3: Well, I think that there were some, let's see, there were, I think like 1,500 to about 5,000 children took on new names and new places and were brought, especially from, say, Paris to the south of France. And Paige, who knew nothing of her mother except that she was French. Okay, and she was kind of quiet. She was beautiful, enigmatic, um, tough, but very fragile. And when Uncle Maxwell, and I, you know, I'll say this to the readers because they'll read it and forget what this little phrase I'm saying. But um, when Uncle Maxwell eventually tells her the story, and she's told that her mother had led groups of children across the mountains to freedom, across the water to England, she goes, Wait, my mother who wouldn't drive on the expressway did this led groups of children. You know, you get into your survivor mode and then then her mother had to go back to get another group and that's when she became involved in the Holocaust herself.
2: Uh, but it's
3: it's um it's really like I I just find that I enjoy researching um the novel and I learn so much about places and different people.
2: So important. What would you like to leave our listeners with today about your book, Protecting Page?
3: Well, I think that if uh, the the logo on my website reads Stories to Broaden Your Mind and Open Your Heart. And I think we're all readers and we know that stories that are enhanced with love and loss and longing and um just can add, like we said before, to your compassion and understanding of events. And, and I think that just reading is such, a, is such a great thing to do, whatever you decide to read. But if you can read historical fiction, if I can in some way, and like I said, I don't say I'm an important Holocaust survivor and my book has that, but my stories appeal to a great group of people, including young adults, and so if by seeing a story, they can re- keep that history alive because, Patricia, you and I both know how important it is to never right. forget that history. All right. Absolutely.
2: Thank you so much, Debbie. How can people find your book?
3: Well, thank you so much. Also, it's available on Amazon. It's in Kindle and paperback. Um, and that's really the easiest way. I have a, um, a website as well, Com.
2: All right, Debbie, thank you so much. Stay on the line for a minute. Thank you so sure. much for being here. Thank you, Patricia. All right, all right, folks, that wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Find me on Facebook and Twitter. Um, write me, Patricia, patriciaraskin.com, and uh, I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, have a great week.